This is a Federal News Network podcast. About half of the households in the United States have responded to the 2020 census so far, but in-person follow-ups with those who haven't, they're on hold for the coronavirus pandemic. The Trump administration is buying the Census Bureau some time, asking Congress for a four-month extension to complete the 2020 count. That expanded timeline puts new challenges on the Bureau, but it does meet the approval of four of its former directors. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with one of them, Robert Groves. Obviously, the recommendation of the technical and operational leads at Census was made in a time of great uncertainty about what the future brings. But the logic of the delay is really quite powerful, I think. And that's what other former directors believed. The timing of the field operations, as I think was noted in the press reports, although aimed at June, has to be dependent on what June looks like. And The logic of the Bureau in rolling out field operations, perhaps at different times in different parts of the country, makes a lot of sense. So what the Bureau needs right now is a nimble approach, totally informed by the best evidence they have at any one point. And it looks like that's what they're doing. How these dates play out on the field operations, the follow-up, the non-response follow-up operations, We'll see as as the pandemic uh, ebbs and flows across the country, I think. And in speaking with John Thompson about this, this very topic, he was saying that administrative records will probably be a lesson learned in all this from 2020 uh, to inform future decennial counts, 2030 and so on. Do you share that same sentiment? One of the breakthroughs in the 2020 census is acknowledging that a single method and demanding uh, self-response as the only method of gathering census data is grows weaker and weaker each decade. And so the, the use of administrative records as an assist in the non-response follow-up procedure really plants the seeds for expanded use in the next census and in Census Bureau surveys over the decade in ways that we'll all profit from as a country, I think. You know, I don't know if it's too early to to say one way or another, but certainly the one big thing that we've heard from the Bureau in the lead up to the 2020 count was just the innovations that they've used in technology, most prominently internet self-response. Is it too early to say whether the internet self-response paid off, so to speak? For my judgment, it's already proven its worth. It's not just the ability to reach larger percentages of the households than ever before with a new mode of data collection, but this form of data collection produces electronic records immediately. So the post-collection processing is vastly reduced, which is a big job at the Census Bureau and remains true for the paper forms that some will fill out in the, in the coming weeks. But in my book, the, the jury is out on this and it works sufficiently well that I can't imagine the next census not using it more and more. With this extended timeline, how do you see the financial needs of the Bureau growing clearly will have budgetary impact and they'll need more money. There's just no question. How much more, I think, depends on the months that we'll see. Every delay in the 
startup data collection produces potential decay in the employed enumerator pool. Now, we're at a point where an enumerator job is is a fortunate event for many of our fellow residents because of the rapidly growing unemployment rate. So I guess I'm optimistic if the Bureau needs more enumerators to do its work that the labor market might supply that. But the field work is going to extend into the next fiscal year. The processing work will extend into the next fiscal year in a way that was unanticipated. So there have to be budget relief to make this work. Are there any operational impacts to this extended timeline? I'm thinking of, of things like planning for 2030 or, or you know, does this impact in any way the census's other survey products? Is there any way that this extended timeline would, would run up against any of those? I don't worry too much about 2030. I think there's certainly sufficient time to gear up the planning on that. On the existing household surveys and and other survey operations of the Census Bureau, I don't think I'm fully informed on that, but I I think the pandemic itself is a greater threat to those than the direct effects of the delay of the decennial census operations. One of the takeaways I had had heard from John Thompson and all of this is that with every decennial count, there are always lessons learned that do inform the operations for the next decennial count. With that in mind, what do you see as some of the big lessons learned with 2020? So some of them we haven't learned yet, I think. The downstream effects of delay are on the apportionment decision that's pretty straightforward unless extraordinary events occur, and then the redistricting operations. So everything has been under the current proposed schedule. It's about 120 day delay. Um, and we've never experienced that before, right? So I am sure there are redistricting consultants right now factoring in what a 120-day delay means to their operations. And we'll see that. The second thing that, to answer your question, one lesson of 2020 is how robust in a post hoc evaluation, how robust were the operations of 2020 for delay. The other thing we'll learn, we have yet to learn also, and that is if you examine the technical evaluations of decennial census responses, there's pretty convincing evidence that the longer one goes between the reference date of April 1, right? We're supposed to respond where we were usually residing on April 1. The longer it takes to acquire a response, the lower the quality of the response. And it has to do with recall errors among respondents who have moved between April 1 and the date or where others in the household may have moved. So we're going to have a longer period to study that process than ever before. And Are you able to speak at all to the value of what this data could potentially mean in stemming this pandemic or or being of value in future pandemics? The vision of the Census Bureau over the coming decade is one that will take advantage of the fact that they have an enumeration of the full population in 2020, and then ask the question, how could you maintain the informational value of those data over a 10-year period? 
And there's a lot of great research and creative thought being put in place to exploit administrative records to keep accurate the base data from the 2020 census in order to prepare for a 2030 census that's less burdensome on the population. That will be a national resource in a lot of different ways for unexpected events that are going to occur between 2020 and 2030. Former Census Bureau Director Robert Groves speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.